everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings, citizens. That's very appropriate for this uh, this movie we're about to talk about. It's a science fiction movie podcast. We get together every week, we talk about a movie that we, we watched. And this week we are looking at a filmy Amazon Prime original of all things called The Vast of Night which just hit in the last week, well, at least the time of recording, it'll be another week probably before you get to, to see this, but uh, this is, so it's, it's fresh off the, out of the oven, it's fresh off the conveyor belt, I don't know whatever metaphor I'm going with here, and it's just brand still warm. you. It's still warm, it's still warm, I could feel it, I could, as I was watching it, I could feel the heat, it was freshly baked. Uh, so it's actually a film that's listed as 2019, but it didn't really come to the public until 2020, so for the sake of, you know, like when we count what's the best of the year and stuff this will definitely be a 2020 like batch so yeah this is a, a a simple film about it's set in the 50s it's a period piece and it's about picking up some strange radio signals one night in new mexico in the 50s and i obviously will start a spoiler free we'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers but that is the general gist of it the, the two main characters are a a, a, you know, a, a radio host uh, for the town, not like a big national radio, it's just a small town, he's the host of the radio station, and then this 16-year-old girl who works at the switchboard for the telepho- telephones, and she and him kind of, like, are friends, they've got this kind of, it's one of these weird things where, like, these days you might look at this this friendship and go, this is a bit weird, like, he's like, you know, what, 24 or something like that, <laughs> she's 16, no one's questioning this friendship. Uh, it's just... I just sort of assume they were both teenagers. Really, I got the impression he was older. Uh, maybe he doesn't seem to really be a part of that high school. Yeah, I got the impression that he was a bit older, and he he like he he came and helped out with his school because he like because it, it feels like he's the only guy in town who knows how to use radio equipment or recording equipment, which mm-hmm. I guess makes some sense because not only is he like you know that's his speciality because he's in radio and he, he runs a little radio station practically by himself he you know it's, it's the 50s so you, you get that not every this isn't as common knowledge for everyone yet because you know like it's not like not everyone has even vcrs yet i mean yeah. one of the plot beats at the start is that that the the, the girl at the fa she has just bought a tape recorder for the first time and she wants him to teach her how to use it and yeah this feels like it'd be relatively new technology at least from the perspective of just a random person buying it for the fun of having a tape recorder you know, it's different and mm-hmm. we're talking about big reels of tape here we're not talking about a little you know portable doohickey i mean it's portable in the sense that you can, it's got a strap that you can put over your shoulder right and, and she's what... afraid to even use it or to, to play around with it because she doesn't want to break anything because it's all new to her so yeah new technology and everything's new she doesn't know how things how fragile things are so she goes to him because he's the he's the pro he's the expert yeah. and to be honest like their friendship's actually very kind of likable and they, they yeah. feel like they, they 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 do have a good camaraderie with each other and it, it you know it works it works they uh, feel very like very much like a sibling siblings who like each other not like in that way but like well, maybe they do i don't know but it, it feels more like an older brother younger sister relationship the, the only time it's even hinted at that there's some sort of romantic side to anything is that one of the friends of Faye or cousin or something like that Basically, oh, is that the radio boy? Is it as if, like, so it, I mean, you maybe get the impression that she has a crush on him because he's the older boy that is willing to talk to her. But it doesn't necessarily ever seem like he's yeah. like grooming her or anything like that. It never feels like malicious. No, it or, never feels weird. Yeah. 
So that's our two main characters. And yeah, I'll just leave it there. I'll, I'll ask how you feel and then we'll, we'll get into some of our, our general impressions before we get to stuff in the spoiler territory. So uh, how did you feel about The Vast of Night? I I like it. I think it's pretty well done. Uh, you can tell that this had no budget, <laughs> which we've seen a couple of those. And um, this one does a pretty good job with its lack of budget. I think the movie looks really good. I think uh, I think the the two leads are really great. Actually, I hope they get. We I hope we see more of them because especially the girl. I thought she was a real standout. Um, I think it's really hard to do a low budget science fiction movie that you know because you're you're limiting yourself to not being able to do really any kind of effects um with the low budget so it has to all be just conversation and there is a lot of like long conversations and monologues but i don't find it boring i I was really into it so yeah i was pretty impressed by it yeah i was actually really impressed i i I think one of my things about a lot of like these VOD movies that come on these services just now is that for the vast majority of them, they they, they all feel and look the same, and mm-hmm. they tend to like they'll have an idea, but they won't explore their idea well enough. And when I say they all look the same, I really mean that for a lot of them. And I, I see a lot of them. We see some science fiction ones, of course. I see a lot of them in streams when we're doing some of these newer movies. Mm-hmm. But this movie, right from the get go. It showed a lot of confidence, one, in its visual style. It wanted a specific look, and it has this mm-hmm. very specific look. It's very grainy. It's very, it's going for this, this kind of feel. We'll talk about sort of the, the intro as well, that, you know, kind of out with the regular plot. There's a stylistic thing it does uh, in the presentation of an old TV show. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. But it it has a very distinct look, and not even just in the, the aesthetic of what the, the, the stock looks like and what the, the image typically looks like, but also just in its direction, like it feels very confident. It doesn't do a lot of necessarily sort of like traditional wonners in the sense that it'll try and do a whole scene in one take. But like one of the examples is that early on, there's a lot of walking and talking at the start. There's a lot of stuff where, so the premise of the movie sort of is based around the fact that there's a high school basketball game on because America's weird and everyone in the small town goes to the high school basketball game. Totally well, alien. In the 50s, <laughs> yeah, everybody did. Like that's why sports are like a huge deal here because people... Like in a small town, would I think that's still the case? Like in certain areas of the yeah, US. Why, why, why did you say people in the 50s? just go? Pe- pe- people watch like university and like high school football games on cable channels. This is such a yeah, weird American yeah, thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, high school, especially like sports teams, people get really into. Yeah. Uh, do you know who goes to watch uh, high school sports games in the UK? I don't know. Don't you? Uh... Who wants to go watch a cricket game played by teenagers? <laughs> they don't play cricket, right? The only sport that they typically play, as far as I know, at least my high school, Badminton. was football, you know, or soccer, to translate it for you colonials, uh, is that, uh, do you know who went to see those games? No one. Even the parents don't go to those games. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, Little League, <laughs> nobody goes to either, but like, <laughs> when you're a small town and you have like two channels on your tv like the big thing that everyone does was go to the 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 high school sports game like that is all that's always been a thing here i just wanted to make a passing comment making fun of it and you've sat here defending it for like a good 30 seconds like what <laughs> it's silly you're canadian because stop defending it, makes it. Sense. 
Well, it makes sense for the film that we're watching in the time that it takes no, place. No, I'm not critiquing the film. I'm critiquing Americans here. <laughs> There's a difference. You would have gone too. No, I wouldn't. Yes, you would have. I always say it's You would have had computers back then. What would that's, you have done? That's so boring. What would I have done? <laughs> I, I would... Book? I'd have been out of the radio, probably. <laughs> I'd have probably been a lot more like Everett, I think. I'd have been into radio tech and stuff, I think. Okay. What's the point I was even trying to make? This is your fault. We're <laughs> talking about like the look of the film, the style. Of yes, the yes, film. yes. Okay, so there's a lot of walking and talking, right? So it's before the game, and he's there because he's dropping off essentially the tape recorder that the commentators are going to record all the commentary on because they play it back in the radio later, right? They can't do live yet because it's 1950 whatever, and they don't have the tech to just broadcast live from a high school gym. It's not, you know, that's not a common thing yet, but. Uh, so he drops off this tape and he's like, okay, that's how you use it. And he had the sense that he knows a bunch of people here, that he used to go to this school or whatever. But there's a lot of walking and talking, especially once one's face sort of gets into the mix and she, he's walking and talking to her a lot. And what it does with the camera throughout this section of the movie is that it does a lot of wonders whenever they're walking from mm-hmm. one place to the other, it'll do it in one continuous shot following them. So it feels like a wonder. But whenever it gets to like a point where they stop and they interact with anyone else, it'll go into a different shot. Maybe traditional, uh, you know, shot, reverse shot, maybe not. But so it would break it up. It would break it up in parts wherever it felt like it, the, the movement stopped. But while right. they were moving, it would never cut around it. It would never, like, do a lot. And it, it, no, it, and it looked really good, too. And it, cre- yeah, it did look good. And it created this sense of just, like, everything keeps happening. Like, you could feel the hectic sort of, like, build up before the game where everyone's moving and doing something. There's all this hectic stuff going on. And it, I think what it really did is it really told you a lot about these two characters. Our introduction to these two characters felt so confident to me because the movie did it with them always moving, always like back and forth dialogue, talking about something. It was talking about the tape record. It was talking about this and that and how to use it. And yeah. It gave you a lot about how she is, but also what he knows and what his special is. It gave you a lot about how they interact with each other. It told us so much. And it, this is, a, this is like the first 15 minutes of the movie. Like It spends a lot of time it on this section. It also did a, a lot for just building up the town. Like it just did, that yeah. everybody like everybody knows who everybody is. Like it truly is a really small town. That's was that's like what... just the bantering between like who's the expert of what mm. when they're they're having trouble with the light and you know, everybody knows everyone and it, everyone's nice to each other. <laughs> and everyone yeah, it, like and that's honestly this might be one of the most expensive sequences in the whole movie because there's so many people involved. It's got the, it's going from yeah. car, it's all these like, and obviously all the cars have to be. A couple of the basketball players I saw, I caught catching, looking at the camera. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, but yeah. you, you have to like, all the cars have to be, uh, you know, period appropriate, right? So that makes, that puts up the, the price because all of a sudden you can't just rent a bunch of regular cars. You have to get vintage cars. Or you have to find a, a car club. Yes. Yeah. Which is, yeah, maybe exactly what they did, but it, it, you know, they have all this and it, just, it created this mood and atmosphere right from the get-go of... And I love movies that are set in one night. I, I love the idea of everything taking place in the span of a couple of hours and having the characters kind of, like, go through the beats of the story in that time. And I think the movie, like, immediately feels like it's going to do that. And it does it because it's a really strong focus and a really strong direction. And even the script is really strong and kind of, like, setting all that up. So, mm-hmm. you know, without even getting... It seem very real. Yeah, without even getting into what it goes into or where the plot goes or what actually it's about once it gets going, the movie already kind of won me over because it felt so refined in its technique. And it felt like, unlike so many VOD movies where it'll just do typical, you know, shot, reverse shot, wide shot, shot, reverse shot, wide shot, bland characters, 
this was so this was so fast talking between them that there was lines that I missed. I actually went back at one point. There's, there's a moment. I don't think this is this, we're not in spoiler territory yet. This is just a, a sly little moment. But he convinces like one of the band members from the high school to give him his trombone for something, and he's he's got he's sort of walking and talking to Faye as he's doing stuff, and he goes into a locker and he locks the the trombone in a locker, and she just says, "Oh, what are you doing with Remy's trombone?" Or why are you locking Remy's trombone in the locker? And his response is so quick because they're talking so fast that I didn't really catch it. So I actually went back later and put subtitles on just so I could like read what he said. And his response was, it's punishment for being Remy. That was the line. But it was so quick that I didn't catch it. And that's not a complaint. The, the point I'm making is that there's so much quick back and forth about the people around them. Uh, and I, I can tell you throughout the movie, like there's a moment where she's on the switchboard and she's like switching between people. And she'll like say, "Oh, hey, you know, Susie, hey, Elena," and and you'll actually start yeah. to get a sense of who one or two of these people are, even though we never really talk to them, just because mm-hmm. the dialogue about talking about them is so good, and you never really have to like have a concrete sense of who they are, but it, it just it builds up this feeling again, like you say, of the town of like this unified group of people. Uh, yeah. So, even before we get to what the real plot goes, I really liked it because. Mm-hmm. It just it felt so on point with all those elements. Yeah, and the the camera work is pretty good in it as well. There's like the cameras, like like you said, there's a lot of really long takes, and that does come off as much more confident. Like even in blockbuster films, when there's a lot of editing and short takes in order to build, like get people hyped up about something like an action scene. Um, this one has the complete opposite and it does a really successful job, I think, of building suspense because it is very much a thriller. Yeah, and um, the other but, element to that is that you have to have good actors. So, I mean, because some of the stuff early yeah, on... Yeah, that's true. If you and think that's about... That's something we always get with these VOD ones. Oh, of course. Because so, when you think <laughs> of uh, Everett and Faye when they're walking home, because they're not staying for the game, like he's, he's going to work and she's going to work at, you know, in the separate places, and they're walking together down the street and the whole... It's not done in one shot, it's done like maybe three long shots, but each shot's so long that they have to be able to hold that conversation convincingly yeah, the a, whole time. There's a lot of like, uh, even the shots are very wide. Like, there's a, you get the whole room in like the scene, and then like it's always moving a little bit. You know, like or, we're just slowly panning on on the scene, on like on characters. But it it like it's a really pretty film because that because you get to see like the whole the whole shot of the gym or like the whole shot of where people are working in the the crawl space or like the whole shot of the street and you see the characters walking through do, it do you know what it is here's, here's the key thing here is that it does such a good job in that first 15 minutes with those moments to sell you on the space and the town and the world that they're in that when the rest of the film for the most part takes place in really small rooms you never feel like it's trying to avoid showing you things, never. Well, also, it's it's very, it's very dark. Like there's a lot of, um, y- you know, it's take it takes place at night, but the characters never feel like they're ever lost, and they're so like comfortable where they're going. Like she's, it's not very well lit, and which can be kind of a problem sometimes. Like, but I never felt like the, like they were lost, even if like they go into a forest or a different part of town or, like. I don't even know where they go sometimes, but like it's uh, they seem to know it so well. And there's a really cool like shot that happens some part in the film early on where it's like a, a tracking shot. Like it's like, I think it is a one take tracking shot that's sped up. 
slightly and it, it goes from like one part of the town i think like all the way around to another part of the town it's, it's it, all one take and it's really good <laughs> it is to a point it's it, they're cheating though uh, some of its visual effects and you can kind of tell sure. at certain points okay. because i've not really done the whole thing in one go uh and and that's fair and i, I think it's you know it's whatever and it, it, honestly it stuck out to me a little bit uh, and i liked it for the most part in theory and what it was doing i, I like because it, it basically goes back to the basketball game and then it goes to wherever it is so it, it does this kind of like around town kind of feeling but what it yeah what what i think it stuck out to me a little bit though because part of it did feel fake and so much of the film is there's no trickery with the visuals it, it's very much just and yeah. don't get me wrong yeah. i'm sure like someone like from the movie could probably sit me down and say hey there was actually some sneaky cg in here or there to like you may dress up like maybe there was a car in the distance that wasn't a 50s car so they just put like one on top of it <laughs> later okay. and yeah, it, pro- it, it would probably like it's like, oh, okay that's quite impressive then that, that wasn't noticeable but so much of it is practical and so much of it's like no we're just because even they're walking down the street and you mm-hmm. see like the odd car that they're passing by they had to like put those cars in place so that they could walk yeah. down this entire street and have it all feel and that's what I was saying about uh, even though we spend a lot of the movie in these really small rooms that are relatively cheap, presumably to shoot in for the rest of the film, mm-hmm. because it spends so much time at the start establishing the whole world, you never feel that the world's small. You never feel like it's just these two rooms. And sometimes there can be a challenge there of like, okay, even though we only have a couple of people in a room, we're going to make the world feel big and you know, see coherence for a really good example of that where it, it just works. You, you never feel that you're too confined. Yeah. If anything, the confinement actually adds to the movie. Uh, here only having like maybe like three locations that we have for the rest of the movie compared to like the opening where it's spiraling around all over the place it actually it just it it's already proven how this movie feels and you feel like it could do it again at any point so it never feels so as much as you say you can feel the budget it is a clearly a low budget movie i think this movie uses its budget so well to never feel like it's hindered by it does that make sense yeah, and you know, I get what you mean about the confidence in the in mm. the direction, but there were times like that long tracking shot where I was impressed by it, but at the same time, a lot of the a lot of the way the camera work was done felt a little bit um, like look what we can do, just like the big movies do. <laughs> like there was there was a little bit of that. Like, do you remember? Um, what was that HBO show, The Outsider? Yes. And there was one like scene where it just the camera just kind of pans onto a rock, and it's focused on this rock while stuff's going on. And you're like, okay, I see why they would do that because maybe they saw something similar in another movie, and they thought this is a really artsy thing to do. But it kind of just comes off as, why are we looking at the rock? Um, I'm not saying this movie has that, but there's like a little hint of it. Like the way the camera is always like panning in a little bit slowly, you know, like, or um, I don't know. I, I just felt a little hint of that. It's okay. You know, there's still. Like... I'm, la- I'm laughing here because what you, that's, that show you're talking about from the outsider. I, I complained about that heavily in the review. Yeah. I... Well, when I was watching it, like, I remember, <laughs> like, I know that you brought it up in the re- review because I, I listened to it after I watched it. And that shot stood out to me as well when I was watching yeah. Like, why are we focused I... on that? I didn't feel, I didn't really feel that from this too much. I, maybe that 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 tracking shot where there there's, was like a bit of visual effects, a little bit of it to assist it, felt like they were maybe shooting a bit higher than they needed to. But at the same time, I appreciated the idea of like wanting to say, no, we can go from this point to the town to that point of the town to this third point. 
in one continuous there's take. There's definitely more of a purpose than The Rock, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would argue that maybe it didn't... It wasn't perfect execution, and it probably couldn't have been with their budget, but mm-hmm. I can at least respect why they tried to do it. Like, I got the feeling they were yeah. trying to create with it. Um, and can I be a dick and correct you on something? Yeah. Is that what you always do? <laughs> well, no, but I feel bad. So I just, but someone in the comments might do it, and I'd rather just do it. I, I don't want okay. us to be like Rod Sterling, where I, I wait until like 20 episodes to tell you that you're saying his name wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a dick move. <laughs> I feel bad. I don't want to embarrass you. Okay, what, what is it? Okay, padding's only when you go left to right. Uh, when you, when you're yeah. uh, going in, tracking usually. Could, it can be zooming, but usually it's tracking in. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll all. remember. That's all. I'll probably forget. But... <laughs> yeah. And up and down is tilting, not panning as well. That's, that's the common mistake that you usually hear. I know you've not done that, I don't think, but that's the one that you normally hear. Is people say you pan up. And you, no, you, you don't pan up. There's no such thing as panning up. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay, you look. Get off your ivory tower now. Just kidding. <laughs> Fine. Look, this is like asking someone with... Uh, like a physics degree to ignore the gravity problems in like a space movie, right? It's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to get around it. You're right, professor. <laughs> Teach me. <laughs> okay, that came out sounding really dickish. All I really meant was, is I studied this, so therefore, I know the terms. And... Okay. I know, I know, I know. I'm just messing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to be the commoner. <laughs> I don't. I don't want it to feel like that. Okay, right. Hey, I have a degree also, just not in film. <laughs> That's fair. You're allowed to tell them that, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You may even have a better degree than I I'm do. Not even... Well, I'm not using it, so no. <laughs> well, I, I just mean in terms of, like, the classification of it. Like, is that a master's degree? No, I don't have a master's degree. Okay, we're equals then, but, that's not, yeah. but it could have been. It could have been a master's degree for all I knew. I didn't know. <laughs> so <And> my PhD. <laughs> oh, do you have a doctorate? <laughs> doctor, Doctor Tara in the house. Doctor Tara, I like it. <laughs> Maybe I'll just say that's my first name. Doctor T. Oh, Doctor T. There you go. It's like Mister T, but not. Yeah, my uh, my wrestling name. <laughs> All right. Also, my rapper name. Oh, so your rapper name. <laughs> rapper name, wrestling name, and I don't know what else would fit into that, but okay. Anyway, so anyway, yes. I'm sorry that I used the wrong terminology, but I think my point still stands. Yeah. And I also, I have a lot of respect for people who make movies because I know they're making movies is hard and they mm-hmm. honestly did a really good job. The um, It also reminds me of that, what's that other... Um, uh, that horror movie that was very similar to this about the two the two friends and one of them like thinks people are being replaced by aliens. Oh, uh, they look like people. Yes, I love so, that movie. I, I love get, that movie. I was getting vibes of that too. Oh, I can see that. Actually, it's funny we talk about like these VOD movies and why I'm like like so high on this and talking about how how solid it is in terms of being confident is. Me and Tim just did a movie, and this will probably go out before this Screams review goes out, to be honest, but we did a movie called 1BR, and the ideas in it were really good, and the actual core story of what it was doing was really good, but the execution was just kind of a little bit lacking the entire time, and 
it was kind of like suffering of like what a VOD straight to VOD movie feels like these days. Like mm. they, they had that kind of similar feeling to it, and I and it felt I felt bad making fun of it because or like critiquing it because it's like oh the idea here is actually really solid. So I feel like bad because what I'm really critiquing is the is the skill essentially, and it feels mm-hmm. more personal. I feel like I'm really being a dick because I'm saying you're just you just weren't quite good enough <laughs> at doing this <laughs> because the story was 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 solid. And well, I think we sort of felt that way a little bit about the endless, you know, where it's just like give these guys a few more movies and they'll probably be great. Oh sure, but... yeah, 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 yeah I, yeah. I would say I like this more than the endless for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't want to see this as coherence level because I think coherence is exceptionally well yeah, done. Yeah, I think that's an exceptional film. But also, I would put this in like a like a really like great sort of territory. I'd see this as like a high bar of like low budget filmmaking and this is the sort of thing that i'm i mean obviously so yeah it's great if i get something as good as coherence but to me if, if i this is what i'm really like at best expectations hoping for when i get to a low budget movie like this where i'm i'm hoping it's got a lot of charm a lot of atmosphere and this film is drenched in atmosphere the, the longer this went on i just felt it the entire time you know it's 90 mm-hmm. minutes long but it went in so quickly because like and it's one of these things where like there is a lot of long monologues but i feel like Bizarrely, if they're engrossing because the acting and the dialogue is good, they mm-hmm. actually make the time pass quicker because you'll get to the end of one and re- oh wait, that was like fifteen minutes of the movie gone by because they were talking for sure. that long. But it I mean, there's like one it. that takes place over like a telephone conversation. Mm-hmm. You never really see the person talk, and it was very engrossing. Hell, sometimes it even fades to black and just has a black screen for like <laughs> yeah. thirty seconds. And the funny thing is, is that it kind of worked. It didn't feel like yeah. a, a weird choice. It felt like oh, that actually is kind of working because it's kind of like. It's almost like we can't see the person talking, so eventually the movie just said, so we're just going to give you the imp- the visual of this, which is just a black screen, because we could just sit and look, look at the person. Because it's something it does later as well, when they're talking to someone else, uh, they're talking to an old woman, uh, and the camera will just stay on her as she monologues for so long. Mm-hmm. There's, like, there's only like one time in the entire like scene where it cuts to a reaction shot. The rest of the time, it's just on her. And, it's, and that feels really confident to me, because it's like, it's so easy to fall into the okay here's what the typical thing you do but the directors here said no 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 i want to just stay in her and i want to let her just act her ass off for the, the next like five minutes and just deliver this this monologue and sure and sometimes um, it works better than others because depending on the actor depending on the script but yeah yeah i agree i think that i think the two leads are really great yes um, i think the the old lady was okay <laughs> He's not. I, I thought the guy in the phone was good though i thought billy yeah i thought he was good too yeah i think the old lady maybe sticks out as being maybe the weakest element of the movie but no it's not a bad like low bar in terms of no. uh you know in terms of like setting the bar for the whole movie so uh but no i agree the two leads are great and they're so likable and you get so into like their imagination or, or her imagination and his cynicism been kind of broken down that the whole thing really works and it's one of those things where I was worried about halfway through, like, you know, depending on how this ends, the ending could tank this, potentially. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to say, without obviously revealing anything, because we're not in spoilers yet, that while it keeps it relatively simple, I actually quite like the ending, and I like what it does with the ending, uh, and think it evoked a lot of emotion in me, and when I realised effectively what it had done by the end, I was like, you know what? That stayed true to its roots, 
and didn't do something that was going to make it feel like, oh, we had to go for something big at the end, so it felt like it betrayed the feeling it was going for and like that. And I appreciated yeah. that. Uh, but... Nobody gets superpowers and saves Earth. <laughs> but at the same time, it's not like it was like, because some, some of these VOD movies can be so like held back in the endings because they just don't know how to end their movie that it's just like, oh, okay, you just... The first thing that kind of worked, you just went with rather than something that really felt like it clicked it all together. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's just really good. Um, and yeah, okay. Uh, is there anything you want to add before we go into spoilers? Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I don't want to sound like too negative because I'm not really too negative. Um, I, I'm not in love with the score of the film. Like the score stood out as a bit like. I want to say low budget, but um, a bit odd. I don't know. Like obviously they couldn't have had a big like orchestra or <laughs> or whatever to score the film, but uh, I found it uh, the like single solo violinist a bit jarring to to listen to during some of the running. It was just a uh, I don't know. It just kind of took me out a bit. But that's uh, fair. I, I I can't. I don't want to hold too much of a budget against it. You know. I just thought it was a an odd choice. I actually didn't mind them. I actually thought there was a couple of really great moments in the music. Uh, I wasn't necessarily in love or against the violin, particularly though. There's a couple of good little piano beats that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and by beats, I mean the the scenes they're used in, in the moments, not just the beats themselves. <laughs> like I, I, don't, I don't mean a couple of piano. Well, like... there's there's one like drum beat that is played during like the real uh, suspenseful mm. build up scenes that's pretty good and noticeable and uh, i liked i like that but i don't know I, the solo violinist during all the like running scenes uh i just was not <laughs> i was just not into it but you know i i don't want to use too much of the budget against the film i think it's really interesting that you keep saying that though that you keep mm-hmm. saying i don't want to use the budget against the film when i, I don't when I but, I but when i think about this movie though i, I think the reason why that sticks out to me is that I actually think this movie used its budget so effectively that I never was, was even thinking about it beyond just they're using this budget well. Mm. You know, I never, I never, there was never a moment in this film where I went, oh, that'd be nicer with a better budget, but I, I won't hold it against them. I, I never really felt that. I, I, it felt like it, they'd, ri- they'd written a okay. story that they could effectively do with the budget they had, which is, okay. a, which is a great skill, I, I think. The, 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 the music sounded a little bit like stock, um, public domain (laughs) in some parts Uh, uh... i'm going to look up the composer's name just so you can know who you're (laughs) insulting okay (laughs) no i mean that's fair you you weren't surprised the music like uh, that's that's totally fine like i get it uh the the music was done by eric alexander and jared bilmer so both very fine people you did a great job (laughs) well that's funny because you said their music was trash Uh... i say that how dare you put words in my mouth? Oh <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, so, but no, that's fair. That's fair. You weren't super hot in the music. Uh, so, yeah, I think we'll we'll go into spoilers then. So I'll I will give the spoiler warning. Although before we get to the spoilers, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers. Um, and forgive me, we got a new one today, so I, I have to actually go and double check the name because I'm just used to saying them off like really quickly. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm just going to cheat a little bit and go. Well, I'm curious. And go to Patreon. Who's the new person? I know. Who's the new guy? <laughs> you shall find out, shall not you? Okay. Or gal. 
So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, David Shaw, Alison M. Fordyce, Sandy Palacios, Bored Now, and as of today, at the time of recording, uh, Zammer Jammer. Oh, nice. Did not, did not wish to use the real name. They, they were said to be okay with just Zammer Jammer. So Zammer Jammer it oh, is. That's not Polish? No. Zammer Jammer? Jammer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly confident it's not. <laughs> I'm fairly confident. Uh, so thank you to you all. That means they're, they're all $20 or above uh, on patreon.com slash TV. But you don't have to be a $20 patron, do you, Tara? Why no? If you would like to support the channel because you like what we do and you like the content, you can check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. <laughs> Why do you do this? <laughs> because it pleases me so monster <laughs> <laughs> you're doing well you're doing well you're doing well yes patreon.com slash mail plus tv honey go yes thank you uh back on track i'm glad you repeated it so so I... we get it twice <laughs> that was the third time it was said we can go for a fourth patreon.com slash mail plus tv love it love it. it gets it gets more tempting every time <laughs> every time it's said so the more the merrier patreon.com slash mail plus tv you could donate as those one dollar per month, and that dollar donation will get you access to our back catalog of bonus films. So if you're wondering where the Transfer Saga is that we always bring up because it's the greatest, that's where you'll find it. The one dollar donation. There's also other gems in there, like Time Cop. I don't know, maybe Judge Dread, uh, and some other ones, and the rest. <laughs> and so yeah check it out one dollar if you feel like donating up to five dollars you'll even get these episodes a day early i'll just laugh and you have an opportunity to vote on what we're going to review next uh once a month and um yes and we we love you five times more I'm just laughing because the way you said and the rest <laughs> when you can't think of anything. Yeah, it's the Gilligan's Island theme song. <laughs> and the rest. Okay. <laughs> I swear the uh, Patreon plug brought to you by Tara is more entertaining every single time it happens. I can't believe you just start laughing the second I start speaking about it. Do you know the problem is, is you've made it a thing now that's that's funny that it's become a joke to this point where now as soon as you start it, I start giggling because I can't help it now. I know. It's torture. You're <laughs> a monster. So full spoilers for the vast of night from henceforth. So one of the things that I really like early on, so we talked about the, 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 the game and like him coming in and all the hectic and walking in out of shot and like, walking and talking with her and her building up her confidence because she's like, oh, I don't know what to say into the mic. So I'll just say that. And he's doing like a pretend radio interview with her. And he tries to get her to interview various, you know, people in the town who are still sitting in the car. And, you know, they're doing kind of a, and she keeps getting nervous, not knowing what to say, not knowing what to ask. And it really establishes the characters. But my favorite part of all this is that after all of this part where they're, they're talking to all the various people, which again, as you said earlier, sets up the town really well because we get to meet a couple of different people and sort of families who are there to watch the game and so on is like she starts doing this thing where she she finally thinks of stuff to talk about she's like oh i read some good articles in my science magazine 
and mm-hmm. she starts talking about these things. Now, first of all, is a, me- a little bit of meta humor here because some of the things she's talking about are obviously ridiculous, but they kind of translate to things we actually have now, which was the kind of the funny part to me. And she's talking mm-hmm. about oh, uh, this place in uh, I don't know what city it was, but some some small like town, Missouri or yeah. something, yeah. Uh, there, there's, oh, there's, they've got this electric, these electric roads, and the cars can like self park, and it can tell you exactly where you are. And it was like, okay, this has obviously never happened. And she even sort of says, oh, everybody's rebuilt this by 1990. But if you translate what she said to Satnav or to a uh, GPS, mm-hmm. it's like it's not actually that far off. Like, because because one of the things she talks about is how it'll tell you where to go, and like, oh, you can turn it. I was like, you know, yeah. that kind of sounds. She just didn't expect them to be, you know from the sky and instead <laughs> thought that it would be the road that's magic yeah what well, so there's that and then the other one she talks about which he proposed the most is actually essentially just a smartphone i mean yeah. they, they talk about it being like built into your skin but it's essentially just a smartphone like talking you'd about. be born with a instead of a social security number you'd yeah. be born with like a, a telephone number yes which uh, may still be our future <laughs> very possibly uh and then the other one, one you have forever and then the other one was like tubes that would like send us around the planet. This one didn't really have a correlating real thing, I don't think. No, but I feel I feel like that was a, a concept that would have been around during that time. Like that makes and, sense. like future yeah. You know, when you look at old future stuff, it would be like massive tube systems for travel. Yeah. Well, I think well, like she kept saying, Oh, this one's gonna be like in place by two thousand and I was like, Yeah, that had the felt felt so far away. In the fifties, fifties, yeah, yeah, that'd have felt like so so futuristic, like to think about the two thousands, and now we're here in twenty twenty, and it's like, ah, if only we had those flying cars, <laughs> if only, if only, maybe by twenty seventy, yeah, maybe, but I mean, we'll be on our deathbeds by then, so I mean, <laughs> you will, <laughs> you're older than I am, you're going to be your deathbed by then, you you're going to be in. Well, like, I can't make it. I can't make it that long. Eighty five. I mean, you'll probably make it to 85, but you won't have much left. <laughs> Come on, once you get to 85, you have to know you're not, you're not that long for this world at that point. Yeah. Every day after that's a gift. <laughs> <laughs> not with my lifestyle. I eat green every day. Uh, no, I, I know what you eat. I've heard. <laughs> I've heard what you've been... It may be vegan, but those vegan cookies add up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. I have to. I have to pace myself. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, <laughs> what was it uh, So yeah. So they talk about the future, and what what's really good about this stuff, as much as we're we're joking about the meta jokes of okay, what we really have now, and that's part of the fun, is that from a character mm-hmm. perspective and from the themes of the movie, it sets up right away that she wants to believe in things. She wants to believe in mm-hmm. the impossible, and that he's a bit more. You know, a bit more cynical, a bit, a bit more jaded, and doesn't want to like, just jump to like believing in all this stuff. Sure, I did. I I did like also because in, in the beginning it's, it's so focused on him, and he's like Mister Good at everything. Mm-hmm. That I I was concerned like, is this also the writer of the film and the director of the film and <laughs> the actor, the star? You know, because like he's making himself like the the guy who's great at everything, but um, you know these scenes where he's with her like later on really like i don't know take him down a peg you know like okay he's not he's not the greatest also i can justify this as well in the context of the movie Mm -hmm. is that the point of this opening and why he seems so perfect is because that's how she sees him and it's all from her pov it's all all from her how she thinks of him she thinks of him as this perfect 
older guy who's good with all this stuff, who knows everything about technology, who knows all this stuff. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's a romantic thing still. I, I still think it's more like oh, sure. she sees him as, uh, just admires him. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like that cool big cousin you've got that you don't see every day, but you get excited yeah. about seeing them because they seem really smart and they know about cool stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that, that kind of thing. Because she's, she's constantly saying, isn't that cool and isn't this cool and yada yada. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's a really strong kind of kind of friendship between them and everything in the opening, like I said, is super confident in the way it darts around all the characters. And it just, but it, it, it's always focused on those two. And it kind of really sets up again. This movie's going to be about these two. These are the two that are important. These are the two that you have to get to know. And everyone else is important in building in the world, but they're not important in terms of like who our main characters are. It's these two. Uh, so everything in this opening really sets things up. Although we did skip over the, the intro, which I suppose we should go back and talk about, because I actually started laughing during this, because <laughs> whoever they got to do a Rod Serling voice is great, spot on. <laughs> to the point where yeah. I thought, like, because I've never seen like Night Gallery, and I thought, is this the intro to Night Gallery they're pl- playing? Because I've not seen it. Like, because because it sounded yeah, like Rod Serling. It sounded exactly like him. Yeah, it's basically you see like a, an old school. It's kind of that retro future thing where it's mm-hmm. kind of what the 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 past thought the future was going to look like. I'm thinking like Fallout. Like, when you play the Fallout games when you see like the TVs and stuff. It was like that sort of like yeah. sort of old school, but kind of futuristic looking TV. And it's like mm-hmm. that intro for a TV show called Paradox Theater. But it's Rod Serling doing this like opening thing, and it's like it's like he's building up to seeing in the Twilight Zone. And I thought, wait, is this? Like... I've never There's seen even Night like Ga- a door that opens. Yeah, in the in the intro. And I'm like, they're really going for like a Twilight Zone feel. And to the point where I was like, is this one of his other shows that I've not seen? And it's just going to that's what they could get the rights to because Twilight Zone's expensive because Twilight Zone's the big one. Yeah. But no, it's a fake one called Paradox Theater. Uh, so it really and there's a couple of times early on where it kind of like goes to like a, a TV filter. And you see like the movie play out inside this like sort of you know four by three sort of circular almost screen. Uh, only a couple of points where it wants to do a little sort of transition, but it, it was definitely going for a vibe. It definitely wanted to feel like the fifties, and it definitely wanted to feel like an episode of the like Twilight an Zone. Of Twilight Zone. Yeah. yeah. And to be honest, as an episode of the Twilight Zone, I think it is very good. <laughs> if that's how we're going sure. to judge it. Mm-hmm. I can't really fault it. It's as if Twilight Zone... anything of the new one that came out. Oh, absolutely. It's not even a competition. <laughs> the people who made this should do, like, uh, just give them the reins to do a series of the Twilight Zone. Take it away from the, the current people. Oh, it's about to start. And we're going to review it every single episode. Uh-oh. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. But yeah, we have to mention that because that's like super, like it's a super specific thing they put in there intentionally. So, yeah. uh, and I think even if you yeah. don't know who Rod Serling is, if you're watching this and you're you know you're you're a youngin and you've never heard of the Twilight Zone, it still sets a tone because of the voice, because of the music, because of the the, the presentation. It still all kind of works to build a, a mood. Yes, and also you should watch Twilight Zone. You should the original. Yes, you should and then watch our re- yes watch our reviews of it <laughs> after each episode. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. That, that's that is we casual. are very very familiar. We are experts on the voice of Rod Serling, and mm-hmm. uh, that guy nailed it. <laughs> Whoever he, did. he is, he did indeed. It may even be the same guy that got to do his voice in the new Twilight Zone for that one episode. Oh yeah, maybe be the same guy. There's just this one impersonator who can do the voice so perfect he gets hired. Anytime anyone needs a Rod Serling impersonator, <laughs> like he's your man. <laughs> Doesn't look like him, but. The voice is spot on. So, so she goes to her work, which is at a, a switchboard, and 
you know, it's the old school taking out the audio jacks and plugging it in and, and all the rest of it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really know a whole, a whole lot about the history of phone technology. I don't necessarily know why people phone a switchboard. I, I assume it's just back in the day you had to phone the switchboard for the switchboard to connect you to like the, the, the you know, the distant lines. I guess so. I mean, when you, when you used to call an operator, like you would get person. Yeah. And I just imagine that's who it was. <laughs> what? I don't know. We should we, stop. We don't yeah, know. <laughs> we clearly don't know how this works. We have no idea how this old timey phone technology works, but uh, she looks, you know what she was doing. Yeah. Yeah, someone's going to school us in the comments. But well, first of all, <laughs> so she, she's she's doing this and she's listening to the radio show. She's listening to Everett on the radio because radio because Everett disappears for the movie essentially at this mm-hmm. point for a while. And we hear him on the radio, but a, a couple of minutes into the news part of the program, there's this like weird noise, this sort of, like do 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 sort of noise that comes in the radio, and she's like, "This is weird," and she's sort of like, and then. She eventually hears it over one of the the phone lines as well, and this is this is really strange. So she starts calling like other people or people who call her. She's like, "Hey, did you hear a thing?" And like, she starts investigating, and she hears a couple of people, and she's asking for advice from the other girl who works there who just left. And she's like, "Just call Everett." It's like, "No, nah, don't worry about it. Look, don't be embarrassed. She doesn't care if you call him. Just call Everett." And she's like, "Okay." So she calls Everett and sort of plays back what she heard on the radio, and he's like, "And I, I think." One of the things that I really like about the dialogue in this movie is that it felt very natural, like his reaction, where mm-hmm. he's like, he wouldn't be that interested, but he's like, wait, I interrupted my radio show? Are you sure it's not your radio? Play it back. Yeah. Like, and I, if I, I'll play back the recording of the radio show and he see if it's on the, the, the output. And it was, like, you know, so clearly everyone heard this. Anyone who was listening to the radio show, which won't be a lot of people, because as they've pointed out, most of the town is at the game. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's very, all five of you listening. Yeah. So, yeah, he even says that. But you're the right. right five people. Yeah. <laughs> so, it really sets up the, uh, the the town atmosphere in that sense, but this this builds the mystery because obviously what we're dealing with here is that there's some sort of mystery signal interfering with the radio and the phone lines, and we go from here. And I think one of, one of the things I love about this is that okay, there's a lot in this this uh, this dispatch office, but once it then changes, like we do actually switch locations, and I love that we then go to this other location, you know, the radio station in the town. And then that feels like it's the new base of the movie. And then it sort of moves elsewhere where they go somewhere else. And uh, like I, I like how it juggles between the, the locations uh, over the course of the time. But they look into it and he's very curious. And to the point where he's, he's so curious that he's like, hey, I'm going to just, I'm going to put it out over the air. I'm going to say, hey, if anyone's got information or heard this noise or recognizes it, you know, call in and we'll give you a piece of Elvis's carpet. <laughs> As he puts it. Which I actually want to bring up. I actually think this is thematically a little, little, little thing. I think it's intentional. Later on, when when they bring it back up again, and she's like, "Oh, you promised, you know, whoever had information that piece of the Elvis's carpet." He's like, "Oh, it's not really Elvis. We we had Elvis's carpet a while ago, but it ran out, so we just give people a mm-hmm. bit of car- a bit of carpet." As Tara's dog makes a ruckus, uh, and. <laughs> She's like, that's not fair. You you promised the the carpet, like Elvis's carpet. He's going to think he has Elvis's carpet, and he kind of makes this point where he's like, well, yeah, but he thinks it is, so no harm done. He he feels he gets the right thing, and I thought that was a really interesting sort of thematic thing to kind of put into the movie. Is this idea of like, especially at that point in the movie where she's she she believes there's something in the sky and that there's something going on, and that she wants to believe that it's real. So the idea that yeah, you know. Could, could where we're going with the ending of this movie be the idea that we're not really going to know for sure and it might be fake but 
if you believed it and you had this adventure this one night and you really believed it while it was happening, like, was it a waste of time? You know, was it a waste? What, 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 was it worth it because you believed it at the time? It's, it's as real as you, you believed it to be in the moment. Mm. And is that okay? And I thought that was a really interesting sort of thematic idea to put in there. And it made me think that the movie could potentially pull off a, a really kind of ambiguous ending that might still be satisfying because it's sort of planting the seeds for kind of that theme of, yeah, but we got something out of it. We we got this this adventure out of it. Uh, it doesn't. <laughs> We're in spoilers, so I can say that. But I mean, I like yeah. that 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 thing when it was it came out. I thought it was a nice little touch. Yeah. Also, maybe he was trying to say that Elvis was actually an alien. What's a reference to Men in Black? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, no, I agree. No, it's very, very, very smart. Very smartly written. Elvis, uh, good scene. What's the line of Men in Black? Elvis isn't dead. He just went home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, so we have this moment here when she, because she, she's like, okay, it's going to take probably like 10 minutes before anyone calls him. We'll have to wait. So, you know, wait there and you know whatever uh and and she starts smoking here which is actually a key point because he sort of like implies she should earlier on because she'll be a better radio person and she says mm-hmm. she doesn't smoke but that's again that's kind of feels again like she's trying to emulate him like she's sort of looking up to him uh, uh I, did she say she, i thought she said more like uh she doesn't smoke at school or something but she still still does smoke outside uh, you may be right. I didn't. I didn't hear that. But you maybe I misheard it. But that's this is when the camera sort of like leaves the the the, the room because it's just because the door goes immediately outside. It's not like it's inside a building where there's like lots of hallways and stuff. It's like the door just opens up to the outside, and the camera. This is the the big swooping shot where. And I really like this. I like that it goes back to the high school first, and we see the basketball game being played, mm-hmm. before it comes back out and then swoops over to the radio station. I like. I like that it kind of sets up these hubs of where things are going on. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get eventually someone calls in, uh, Billy calls in, and Everett says, "Look, I'm not supposed to put you on live. I'm supposed to pre-record it so that in case you say something, so you have to promise not to swear. You have to promise not to yeah. say anything inappropriate. Yada yada yada." And he he starts interviewing him, and this is kind of our first big info dump. And I think one of the key things in low-budget movies like this is like, and it's very possible to do this, but it's very difficult. And it's kind of the make or break it for your whole movie. It's like, can you make someone just telling a story that we're not going to get to see? Can you make that engrossing? And if you can make it engrossing, then you've basically won the battle. Because at that yeah. point, we're into it. And we're so into the story. And maybe the atmosphere up until this point is why we're so into it. Maybe that's so important to actually setting this up so we care about it. But why don't, why don't you... I've been explaining a lot of the plot. Why don't you tell us what Billy essentially... Well, Billy, all we know about him really is that he worked for the military and uh, somewhere in New Mexico, he was hired along with, because Billy says that he's black and a bunch of other um, black military or Mexican or... Notably, um, he he doesn't reveal that until later. Yeah, he doesn't reveal that until later on. He he reveals it later, but he says that um, they were essentially ordered to build bunkers um around an area in the desert and um yeah he 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 brings up later on that he is black and he thinks that the reason was 
the reason that everybody who was working was a minority was because people tend not to believe them if they have crazy stories. And in um, their story is that they would hear they would hear that sound from whatever it was that they were around. But it came from did it come from the sky or from it came from their like radios all their equipment because uh, mm-hmm. they mentioned that because they basically were building like, like a pit for something to be buried in and it was like yeah. they never saw what it was it was always covered in a tarp but it was smooth but they said that yeah he billy says that um it they they never actually got hired to do the full job they would just hire people to do part of a job so nobody really had any clear information of what was going on and if you ever got something because you were a minority if you told the story nobody would listen to you anyway yeah because yeah, they mentioned that they were getting this noise through all the equipment but as they buried it the more they covered it up the the, the noise faded as if like you know covering this thing in dirt was like stopping the signal that was you know affecting all their equipment yeah and then he brought up a second story because he got together with other people or, or one of the people he was with on that detail mm-hmm. had been on something similar before where and they're both sick right yeah they both got sick afterwards yeah because this thing was maybe giving off some kind of radiation or something but this other guy told us told a story to him of like them being you know taken out and like they heard this signal come from the sky uh like and because he was like a radar technician, he you know he could tell how high up it was. That was his job to to monitor mm-hmm. these kind of things. And it was, it was it had a range of like really. At you know, one point it was really low, but at other points it was far too high, like higher than anything that at least certainly at that time could be flown by humans. Uh, so it's clearly he's clearly describing UFOs. He's he's, he's describing yeah. UFOs the entire time without ever saying that. And I think that's part of. Plus, what... I mean, since we we know we're in New Mexico, it's hard not to think of Roswell, even if it's not referencing it directly like oh, if you course, think of a science yeah. fiction story set in new mexico you're gonna think aliens but i think one of the things that's key here is that he never mentions ufos he never says that word he never says aliens he just no. says the facts as he knows them and you know what he experienced what he was told by others and he never uses those words because he knows as soon as he says those words it's going to sound just like laughably crazy and i think part of the reason mm-hmm. why this is so effective on its own is i think that also works for us as the audience as well is like clearly, yeah. get us to that point where we clearly know what he's talking about but if he never actually says those words we never actually go oh this sounds silly now yeah because it, no it's true he's just saying the facts as he knows them it gives us the impression that he also knows that sounds ridiculous so he's not going to say it he's just going to say no this is what it was this is what i know this is the tangible thing this is what yeah. i heard this is what i saw this is what was was there but yeah I, you can you could put the puzzle pieces together if and, you want. You could say it. I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, and the only the closest he ever gets is he says the people in the sky, and that's all he ever says. He doesn't say aliens. He doesn't say anything else. Right. That's the the closest the phrase he ever uses. And he he admits the reason he's telling the story is that he's dying because he got sick from mm. some kind of radiation that came from it, and that other people who were there that he knows are also sick. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning that the call does get cut off at one point, because this was happening in the switchboard as well, as a lot of people who were calling mm-hmm. in, the calls were just dying at some point. And they didn't know how to call him back, because he never gave his real name, and, you know, they don't know, or not his real name, but his full name. You know, they only have Billy. Uh, so, basically, he calls back in, and they're really, and it's this excitement thing, because they think they're not going to get him back again, but when he calls back in and she hears his voice, she's like, oh, it's Billy, it's Billy, oh, it's, you know, I'm going to put him through. And it becomes this thing where he talks about how the other guy that he worked with 
sent everyone recordings of what he recorded uh the sound and he destroyed his because he was scared of being caught with it but this like this guy who lives in this town who died a while back he, he had a recording of this thing and you know maybe you could like if you find it and prove that it's the same thing you know maybe this is you know something tangible and it's like well who would have that recording and Faye's like hey though when that old guy died all of his stuff got given to the library and there was and she's like there's no tapes in there no there is tape there's like there's a big box of tapes in the, the basement they just don't have anything to play them on yet and it, it's like okay they've got a mission now and Everett mm-hmm. has this moment where because again this is all but she's still in the, the you know the, the the operator place right eventually like and he has this moment where he has to decide they've only got so much time to go do this while everyone's at the the game it's like because she's like, I can get in there. I know how to get into the library. Like, I can break it at the library. I know how to do it. And eventually, he's like, okay, run. Run, Faye. And Faye just bolts. And she just leaves <laughs> her job and runs to the library. And what's so fun about this is that it's like, okay, they've got a little mission now. It, yeah. It's kind of like, it's like, obviously, The Goonies is way more further than this. But it's kind of that feeling that something like The Goonies or something like any type of movie where a good conversation turns into oh, an adventure. We can adventure. do something about this yeah. now. And so it's genuinely really exciting as she goes off on her bike uh, to... to oh, it's not even her bike. She mentioned she, st- she stole it. <laughs> she steals someone's yeah. bike to get to the, the library because she's so enthusiastic about, like, you know, science fiction and technology and, like, proving this stuff is real. So it feels so in her character. And then Everett shows up in a car that he's borrowed, again, <laughs> from, like, I think his boss or someone he works with. And, yeah, somebody. Yeah. And he drives her back and just like one by one they start listening to these you know tapes that have no labels to see if any of them have this sound and and again there's there's, there's some good character work as they're doing this because he's, he's they're going through the tapes and they're having yeah, this they just start having this natural conversation that feels very real and you just get more the the characters just become more likable and more realistic yeah they're talking about what they're going to do he wants to like get a better job a, diff- a bigger radio station which means leaving mm-hmm. this town because he has to go to one of the big cities maybe the, the west coast because that's where the the radio sort of central hub is uh mm-hmm. you know she says ah oh, yeah, i want to go to a big city maybe like get a job at a bigger switchboard and he's like well, what about college and she's like well, i can't afford college and it becomes a sort of conversation about their futures and what they want which yeah. again is is given where the movie ends it's like having them talk about what their lives might become is actually it's just very... an extension of where they are right now yeah <laughs> But but it's very poignant though because it makes you feel like they've they've got futures in some capacity. And may, maybe yeah. it's not like super bright, maybe it's not super laid out or or overly hopeful right at this minute. But they they do have hopes. They do have potential things. They're hoping they want to for do. something bigger. Yeah. Something a bit more important. Yeah. Yeah. This this town's too small for them. Too small for these dreamers. Dreamers. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's the word to use exactly. So. Uh, so keep that in mind. This, when we get to the ending, like keep that in mind. It sets up this idea of like them talking about their futures and like how they both feel that they're like this town's not enough for them. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, might even be, <laughs> but dare I say, it might even be a slightly better version, at least for me, than what Close Encounters does with some characters. How dare you? <laughs> Fine. More, more, more in this layer. More in this layer. <laughs> so but eventually get to the tape right and it makes the noise it makes the noise and tara's there's such a disapproving look in tara's face right now because i made a little dig at close encounters uh, mm-hmm. but they, they get to the noise in the tape and they play it back and they 
And basically the idea being that if they can play it back whilst this this thing, whatever it is, is still over the town. Because that's why there's a sort of time crunch on it, because basically it would never stay that long. And the idea being that they're then playing this back would essentially be responding to it. Because Billy's theory is that this yeah. was like a language. This was, you know, whether it was signals or an actual dialogue of some kind, this was a back and forth. And that if they could play it back, maybe it would cause a reaction of some kind. Uh so they play it over the radio and all the power goes out in the in the radio station. There's no lights anymore. And you know, and Faye starts freaking out. Like she's terrified and he you know, he gets a he's got a lighter then he's got a flashlight and I try to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's good. And then she's like, Oh shit, I've you know, I've left my job and I've not been there for like, you know, maybe thirty minutes at this point. I kinda have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> and so and she just starts running and he's like Faye, what are you doing? I've got the car. So he actually catches up with her in the car and says, get in, I'll drive you there. Come on. I love the little detail where she's just like, what? I I, just, I don't think about going into a car because I walk everywhere. Yeah, like, I just... Only at the 50s. Yeah, I just run everywhere. <laughs> but again, it's a, good, it's a good little character detail, I think. Because we do see her run yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, she runs from place to place. But it also reminds you of how small her world is, is that everywhere yeah. is within running distance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but she gets back and she's answering all the calls and some people are, you know, and she's apologizing for like how long some of them have waited. And mm-hmm. then it turns out that there's no babysitter for her little brother and she has to go like deal with that. Uh, but they get a call. Well, she, oh. Yeah, she, sorry, go ahead. Oh, does I'll that come that later? I think that, yeah, you might be right. That comes after the old lady, I think. You're right. Uh, because they get a call from the old lady who says that she has more information based on what Billy said, but she can't like, she doesn't want to do it over the phone. She wants to do it in person, and she wants to. And she can't like come to the door because she can't walk anymore. At least not walk much. But they're so intrigued at this point, and you know, Everett grabbed his portable recorder, and because there's a little moment actually where Faye gets really upset because she says, "Why don't you use mine?" He's like, "Well, this one's broadcast quality. It's like, oh, so mine's not that good then." It's like, "No, it's it's solid. It's fine for you know, but it's like, it's a personal. It's basically a toy, all right. <laughs> it's basically a toy." And she gets so pissed out. I would have been the exact same way. <laughs> Faye is so me. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if it, feel, it feels like stuff's happening because they run into a couple who get out of their car and say they saw something in the sky at the edge of town. And it's yeah, like. And that's another thing with all the calls that were coming in that she's taken in mm. frantically since she's been away. And she looks at him and says, People are saying there's something in the sky. Yeah, it's, it's kind of similar to uh, the horror movie Pontypool, which is all set in a radio station, and there's basically like a zombie apocalypse happening, but you never see it. It's just, you all you just hear the calls coming in. Um, and I, I like that kind of atmosphere that that kind of thing can build, that there's more of it like sort of compounding as they're kind of seeing stuff. And you, you get that feeling of like everyone just kind of like starting to notice stuff and you can feel the kind of the, the, the hype of like the moment rising. Like you, there's something going on and we all have to know exactly what it is. We all have to figure it out. We all have to see what's happening. Uh, that that kind of I guess hysteria is kind of the word, but not in mm-hmm. like a panicky There's way. It's not like a lot of people though. So. <laughs> well, that kind of adds to it though, because they're all kind of spread out yeah. all over town. Uh, I think that adds to that atmosphere. Uh, so they go to the old woman and they go in, and she's kind of muttering something that sounds really weird and dare I say alien <laughs> as the as the enter. Do barada nikto. <laughs> it sounded a little like that. Batu barada nikto. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's also what Ash says in Evil Dead 3 when he's 
taking the book. He's told to memorize it, but he says it wrong. Because he goes like, I've seen that movie. Platu, Verada, so ash so ash yeah but they come in and she tells a story and it's not as good as the billy one because she's not maybe as good as an actress or an actor in general as he is but Mm -hmm. she but it's still pretty interesting she talks about how she conceived her child with this worker who never came back basically but he died he died not by aliens though not by aliens no well at least we do not suspect it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it's impossible. But she tells a story about how her, her baby was, was essentially weird. How the baby would speak in this weird alien language in his sleep. But only when, like, essentially, you know, as we sort of discover it, the ship was nearby. It would sort of trigger a reaction. Because she, she would, like, document it one night and she would try and repeat it back to him the next night. But it wouldn't work because the ship wasn't there anymore. And then one night we get kind of your classic child abduction where he walked out the house, uh, you know, 150 yards, I think she said, and his footprints just stopped. They just, they weren't anywhere to be found. They just stopped dead in their tracks. And she actually got investigated for the murder of her own child because he was just missing and no one could find him. And she tells her, and she's obviously, she goes through it a lot slower and the camera stays on her except one point where it cuts the Everett. But she gets a little bit more fantastical with it where she, she outright says she believes it was taken and she wants them to take her with them because if they're going to go and find the ship wherever it is, she wants to see her son again. And she does come off sounding a little bit more crazy. Um, uh, yeah, a little bit. She gives them the note that says you have to read these lines which Everett doesn't take. And yeah. Now they're just vague. He's like, oh, all right, let's go. Yeah, because she, she says if you encounter anyone tonight, say these things yeah. to them to see if they've been like affected by what's going on. And he just kind of like sees it as silly. He cuts her off, uh, and she knows that she's went too far. She knows that they won't listen to her now. And I think what's actually really good about the writing here is I think that you're exactly on Everett's side for the most part. Not that you don't believe that something's going on, but I think you totally sympathize why he's just not ready to believe any of this shit. Like it's too much. Yeah, but Faye, on the other hand, is kind of a, a lot more sympathetic and kind of is like, you know, shouldn't we like take the note? Shouldn't we listen to her? Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. I there there was a, a moment during this where I was reminded of uh, God told me to, and the, <laughs> the the story from that as well with the with the kid, and I kept thinking this is the prequel. Like that would be awesome. <laughs> There's a tie-in. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Uh, I think they're both very different movies, uh, and I think the way they handle these stories being told is definitely indicative of uh, yeah, <laughs> of what type of I movies they are. Uh, this one didn't have uh, a flashback suddenly happen where she was floating towards a big giant vagina in, the, in space. So yeah, see, guys, why you need to watch this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Go watch God Told Me To, and then I'll review. I spoil your time. Uh, so they go off, and they end up. Uh, back in town, and they run to the couple again. Uh, but no, I, I think they go to the sisters first, or the you know, or Faye's place to get her little brother. Uh, and they run off with him, uh, basically because there's no babysitter. And do you know what actually I thought was funny because at one point they're with like I think her cousin or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. because she's she's there to get the camera. Uh, which is so funny because we were debating how how like portable cameras like. Because there was an episode of Twilight Zone with like a, essentially a, a Polaroid camera, 
and we were yeah. questioning like how realistic this was to have that at the time period and then this it wasn't a polaroid necessarily but it was very similar sized and it was a you know it was a little bit more compact yeah and it was clearly like film that you'd have to go and get developed it wasn't a polaroid because you could you could yeah. see her putting in the roll of film but uh you know fair enough right okay i'll accept <laughs> i'll take the l i'll take the l on it <laughs> but the uh but there's a there's a moment here that made me laugh because you know Everett's standing at the door and this is this is the cousin who's like oh wait it's the it's the radio boy that you like you know she's kind of like making that ir uh, but when she goes downstairs and he's standing there at the doorway she's like oh my god Everett, you can't just come in here i'm in my nightgown and all i could think was that nightgown covers more of your skin than anything else you wear yeah <laughs> like it's i love Everett's response though it's just uh like i'm not looking at you and i don't care what you look like in your nightgown <laughs> look neck to toe this thing is Easily far more conservative than anything any other women in this film are wearing because it's just head to toe. She's a, a young lady. She doesn't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe if it's a light material, it's a bit more see-through or something. So maybe that's why you're you're touchy about it. I don't know, but it just it was like, are you kidding me? You're basically. I think it's more like it's inappropriate to see me in like what I sleep in. I, I mean, I guess I don't know. It's like you're covered neck to toe. Like this is literally the least sexual thing he can see you oh, wearing yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so this is where they run into the couple again and like oh we saw something at the edge of town we can take you there so they get in the car with a the couple they don't take two cars they get into the car with them so faye's got her, her little brother and everett's in the back seat with his recorder and mm-hmm. she's like hey what did she say that we shouldn't say to them again and this was a nice little sort of like sort of a twist but like they didn't take the paper, but he recorded what she said. He was recording mm-hmm. when they went in, so he just plays it back. And sure enough, the couple in the front of the car, they kind of just go into a trance. Their heads kind of go back and they go into a trance as if they've been yeah, hypnotized. It's not quite asleep. It's, yeah. it, it is more like they've gone catatonic and they're they're looking up. And it's scary because they're obviously these two are in the back seat, so that, and they're you know what the guy's driving, so the car just starts to veer and isn't being yeah. controlled anymore coming traffic and yeah it's legitimately a very tense moment i thought uh yeah no i agree yeah um because I, I think it because it's so kind of dialed back and it's kind of groundedness for the most part I, I would say the movie is i think just mm-hmm. something as simple of these two reacting to it even if it's not something super over the top actually feels quite like a big deal it's like oh it's proof that something's going on it's this is proof that there's stuff happening and then the actual fact that they're in a car and it's dangerous just ramps it all up and they they go back to normal pretty quickly once the cars like sort of parked. I mean, parked maybe a bit of a, a friendly term here, more, more just ditched. The I suppose. vehicle has stopped. Yes, the vehicle <laughs> has has come to a stop. Uh, they they're back to normal, but they they run into the the forest where they're expecting to find something. And this is where I think the movie, the movie could have fallen apart here. I think, in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. In fact, there's a really serene moment on in the car before they get here. Actually, where like I think Faye's looking out the window. And they're just kind of like taking in the moment during the car ride because the movie's not in real time, but it kind of emulates it to a point where you a can feel bit, yeah. you can feel the passage of time for the most part. This this sequence at the end when they're in the forest and they do actually see a ship, and I, I do you know what I think is so good about this is that this could have looked stupid. This could have looked really cheap and nasty and stupid, or mm-hmm. even if it didn't look cheap, it could have looked really hokey. And I think I appreciate that they, they, they kind of kept the traditional flying saucer design, but the way they put just some lights on it to light parts of it up, 
made it feel like it was actually a machine or a, 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 an actual mm-hmm. ship and not just like a weird smooth ridiculous thing. yeah this isn't the uh day the earth stood still design no there's it, it has a little bit of the close encounter ship in it a little bit but more refined because close encounters was such i mean not literal fireworks but it was such a light show whereas yeah, this yeah well that was their yeah method of communication <laughs> but, but this felt more like a this feels like a natural amount of lights to be on this thing as a ship. Yeah, and the Close Encounter ones also had like a looked like a cityscape yeah. at the bottom of it or top of it. And this one, like this one, is more layered, and there are like quite a few lights on it to to give it the dimensions that it needs. But it's not, yeah, it's not just a smooth silver ship. But I also like that you couldn't see the whole thing. Like you, you could see the parts of the lights were hidden, but there was mm-hmm. parts of it that did just fade into the darkness. It was, it wasn't, you know. But there was a lot of because there was a moment before they actually see it where they see like a hole in the trees, like something's clearly flown through there, and they're looking. Up yeah, and I, and I thought that or shot was, I was beautiful. More like a like a a beam, like a laser, like yeah. a beam. Yeah. Okay, I can see. Yeah, I can see that. There. But but that I thought that moment was beautiful. Like I, I felt the the moment in that, like when they were looking up through it, and you could just see sort of the beam of light in the mist. Like mm-hmm. it, it really worked. I, I think there's a there's a lot of things here that I could see looking really dodgy in this sort of low-budget setting, but I felt like this this movie, the director... I, I thought all we were going to get was the beam, to be honest. Like, yeah. I didn't think we were going to get the ship, because they, they do the beam of light first, and yeah. they're like, oh, okay, I guess this is all that they're going to give us, and then uh, I was surprised that we got a ship, and it didn't look bad. But, I, I, yeah, I, I would expect in the, this, this movie of this size, typically, to not look... And I, I think this, not only is it a, a smart use of their budget and a smart use of knowing what they can pull off, because mm-hmm. they, they knew they needed, like, a money shot, and I think they did it. I, I think they they said, how good can we make this look? And how what expectations can we set up? And I feel like they set up the expectations in such a way that I, I could buy, if you told me, like, just before the ending, we're not going to see any sort of actual ship, it would have been okay. Like, they, I think they set up the expectations in, a, in such a place where I'm okay with this not showing me something because the movie feels like it's set up for, like, it, for it to be ambiguous. So when you actually see it and it looks pretty good, you're like, mm-hmm. huh. Oh, okay. What a nice surprise. You've actually done this. Go. <laughs> but it, 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 I guess what, what I'm trying to compliment this so much is because it plays with your expectations and then pulls it off, which is the total opposite, I feel like, of so many movies that'll not know how to set your expectations properly. And then the ending yeah. will either be either just not good enough based on the expectations, or the movie was so like mediocre up to that point that it needs like a blow away ending to even remotely save what it's had up until that point whereas I, I felt like this set me up for it's okay if we see nothing the movie's still going to be satisfying but then it yeah. gave me the cool ending anyway and i was like ah props to you fellow makers for managing my expectations and then hitting out the park mm-hmm. so uh, that's, well that's what i say uh and you know and i thought it was i still thought it was going to be ambiguous i thought the ambiguity was going to be did they get taken or not right because because i thought it was going to end i don't think it's that ambiguous by the end no that's what i'm saying that's what, that's what yeah. i'm getting to i'm saying i thought it was going to be ambiguous because i thought as soon as like because the shot you see the, the little ship get into the big ship and they look up and they're sort of hugging all three of them and then it mm-hmm. sort of fades to black right i thought okay the credits are going to start rolling and it's going to be ambiguous as to like what happened next it's just going to end there because they've seen the ship that's our ending but then it right. did some more stuff, and it made it pretty clear that no, they've been taking. And what I really liked about this ending 
is that I realized that this whole thing, because we see the tape recorder, the final shot of the movie is the tape recorder sitting there in the forest surrounded by kind of like dirt and like twigs and ash as if there's been some sort of, again, laser beam, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, someone's going to find this tape and this entire story and all the stuff that's been recorded on this night is going to become the new story that's told later when something else happens. It's going to be the new fable. This is going to be the squirrel story. And I, I love that i love that basically we, we realize at the end that this entire movie is just the next story like the stories we heard in this movie where down the line <laughs> this will be the new thing that's told back to say hey this happened this one night yeah this is all basically an alien abduction story and what happened to these two kids but or three technically See, yeah because she had her little brother with him but with I, that's what i like about it i, I like that this has just become what these other stories were in this movie and like because you know they because and the reason why i'm saying that specifically is that they make a point before this final shot of showing some people finding their abandoned car outside the the, the switchboard place mm-hmm. and they, sh- they make a point of showing like everyone coming out of the, the the basketball game and like people are going to see the radio station empty because there's a beautiful moment where the lights come back on the radio station they sort of like signify the aliens have gone right as all the lights mm-hmm. come back on, the mics, it's like the, the classic metal mic from the 50s is just sort of in the center of the frame. It, you know, it does all these things. Yeah, the switchboard place is empty. It, yeah, it shows you all these places they've occupied throughout the film, which again, it, it focused on so much that they feel quite prominent, that they feel like important places for us. Yeah, and we didn't mention this girl's story earlier, but like the whole intro. 15 minutes or so, mm. like, or every time you met a new person in the town, they would mention the, the story about the squirrel chewing through an electrical wire and it was still holding on to the wire when they found it, like, <laughs> dead. <laughs> so, like, that little story just made the rounds of the entire town. Like, everybody knew about it. Yeah. So, I asked, I asked what's so beautiful about the ending is that it works because it's about these kids becoming the next story that's going to be told mm-hmm. later. And there's going to be this tape with some of the story not all of it not everything we saw but and a lot they, of it's on uh, that tape they made it out of the small town <laughs> they did well i, I kind of like the, the one part that is ambiguous i think which is really cool because it's ambiguous to the town what's happened to them but not to us but the one thing that i think is ambiguous is like is this as good or bad we don't really know like, yeah did, i don't know did the aliens treat them well did the aliens just dissect one, them like immediately yeah. tractor beam really left a lot of things burnt like did they just fry on the way up or <laughs> uh, i mean it's possible uh, but the ending feels oddly kind of hopeful so i don't know like that's why i can play it to close encounters it kind of reminded me of like the people in close encounters who want to go on the ship because they have to because they're obsessed because they have to just go and mm-hmm. find out what's you know out there it kind of gave me that kind of vibe and it, like I'm I'm going to be controversial here. I like this a little bit more. No. Than, I do. I like this a bit more than Close Encounters. I do. <laughs> I like these characters more than Roy in that movie. Really? Yeah. I, I like these characters a lot. I think these characters are the best part of the film. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I'm not saying that the, the the talent here is better than Spielberg at his prime. I've always been of the opinion that Close Encounters is, you know, second fiddle to Jaws and and E.T. and Raiders and, you know, has other classics, which I think are better. Yeah, you can check out our review for your full thoughts. You can, yes. And it's not that Close Encounters is a bad movie. It's not, by any means. But it's, it's never... I've always felt a little cold to it compared to his other big films, right, from that era. 
and i feel like for me this just hits the polypiness in the right way it has the atmosphere in the right way i care about the characters i think the ending is basically perfect whereas i think close encounters maybe shows you too much once the ship opens up i honestly i'm a little underwhelmed by it i i don't I don't know. Like I don't. I don't feel the the depth that you do from this film. Here, like, I, I, I here comes here comes negative Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> I I could be bad cop every now and then. I still think it's a it's a really fine movie. Um, I think it's good. I don't think it reaches great. Um, I think there's potential here for the next couple films that the these filmmakers make to be good because yeah, there's direct... there they do take chances and I I like their I don't know. I, I like I like their style. I just uh, I think the best part of the film are, are the two lead characters. They're so well written and let me just, well acted. Let me just jump in here with this. It's directed by Andrew Patterson, who co-wrote the script with Craig uh, W. Sanger. I just think it's, it's probably worth mentioning who actually made the movie since we're talking about yeah. it. Yeah, potentially. it is a really uh, well-written film, um, especially from the dialogue point of view. And I I think uh, I think the overall story. Like I wasn't as invested as I wanted to be, and I I think because of that maybe I was a bit overwhelmed or not I, underwhelmed by the ending. I don't think it's perfect. Don't get me wrong. I think the old lady, like that that portion. Well, I like how it's shot and how it's done. It's definitely the weakest section because I think the actor is not as good as the rest of the the main performers. Mm-hmm. But the atmosphere carries a lot for me, and the atmosphere never betrayed itself and that sounds like a weird thing to say but there's so many movies where i feel like it, there's so many movies that i feel start off really with a great atmosphere that i really get into but then by mm-hmm. the time the plot starts unfolding it kind of goes away from it and it stops having that feeling again i feel like this always had the mystery and the intrigue of what's out there and what's above us and this small town vibe it never felt like it went beyond that and mm-hmm. i like the ending i thought the ending worked i thought it was oddly beautiful i mentioned like in some of the piano stuff and it was the piano that played as they're looking up at the ships like i really felt the them in awe of what they were seeing and sure. it kind of answering what they've been questioning the whole movie and i was really into that and it, when, I, when i say I, I think i like it more than close encounters I, i'm not saying obviously close encounters is more important it's, you know it came at a very important time in cinema it's, it's, it had For a sure. lot of influence i'm not saying that but i'm saying i think it's unfair to compare the two they're very different um i mean maybe story-wise like yeah they both are about close encounters with aliens but it's also it's it's not really fair to compare the two because one was a Spielberg like epic with a huge budget and this one's just like a you know uh well yeah but that's that's the point of my barely compl- a budget that's my point of the compliment though is that I think this is a better movie overall <laughs> despite all those factors okay <laughs> and that's the beauty of that's the beauty of cinema though is that you don't need the big budget to to do that and tell a good story like no, uh, no, you don't I think it's possible and. Uh, you know, one of the things that we didn't really talk about too much is something that I brought up in a couple of specific things before, but the beauty of old technology in these types of movies, you know, because, you know, these days everything's digital. There's something about mm-hmm. the analog, like radio waves and like airwaves of TV. There's something about yeah. noises and the static that are so int- intriguing when they, d- sure. when they play it that way. I love that stuff. We talk about this all the time. Like, I, I miss the, the tactile feel of of old... <clears throat> science fiction films and and mm. just of old technology like i like the i like when you have to press the button and it makes a click sound you know like my fancy keyboard that 
does it. <laughs> you know, or it's called a mechanical. Which is like that. It's called a mechanical keyboard. And sh- should I tell everyone that you only bought it because it was the the one that was pink? Is is, is that okay? I mean, it I'm just, sure people could have guessed that I had a pink keyboard. It just happened to be the one that was mechanical. It wasn't that you went out your way to get a mechanical keyboard. You're just obsessed with it now because you stumbled into it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I, but I I love it. Like we talk about it mm. before I even purchased a, a keyboard that made funny sounds. Like it's, you know, even like the set design in, in Alien, where you go into a room and it's just a room that's with a single computer and just a rows and rows of lights of dots. Oh no, I, I get it. I don't know what they mean. I don't care. With old technology, like if you think about radio frequencies and waves, and the idea mm-hmm. that there's literally like waves in between the ones we're using there's like those gaps there's like mm-hmm. hidden spaces where things can be hidden where and the movie doesn't really use that specifically but there's something about just listening to the yeah. static and hearing like mm-hmm. things hidden in it that's really cool and you can't really do that with like anything i've seen like a horror movie try to like do something spooky on the internet it's always laughable it's always really bad it, yeah, it, it comes yeah. off as really hokey yeah, and the nice thing about this film taking place in the 50s is that there is no internet, so exactly. instead of them searching for what is uh, other instances <laughs> of UFOs or signals, <laughs> and all of a sudden they have all the information they need oh, from was, the first site they click on. It was you ruined. know, this was a, a compelling story that somebody was telling. Yeah, it would ruin the movie. This is all about people passing on stories and people who have experienced things passing it on. Uh, mm-hmm. And that makes it that makes it all work. And you know, I know I know you like Contact a lot, and Contact you know has some of these vibes. Oh in yeah, it. obviously it's a, it's a oh, different movie, I, type of movie, yeah. but. Well, no, as you were talking about it, I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's Contact, Contact. Yeah. <laughs> Which we'll do at some point. You know, Contact will be a, will be an episode for sure. So. Of course, uh, I demand it to be so. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, Kalish Starling and the dude from Interstellar. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll try and, and contact uh, the aliens. captain from Alien. Really? Yeah. Well, uh, He's our lead guy. The the guy that goes, you know. No. He's like her her main antagonist, but also her boss. Oh, I'm just trying to remember his name. Uh, what's his name? Uh, not Tom Skerritt. Is it Tom Skerritt? Uh, maybe. Oh, so you're, okay. ta- you're talking about Dallas, though, right? You're talking about Dallas and Alien. Yeah, Dallas. Okay, right. Tom Skerritt, yes. Nailed it. <laughs> and also John Hurt. Is John Hart in there as well? Yeah. He's in contact? He plays... Yeah, he's S.R. Haddon. The the eccentric millionaire who gets to go to space. It's been a long time. I've only seen it once and it was a long time ago, so I look forward to us doing that on an episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a while. I just All remember right. McConaughey Tangenting. showing up at some point. I know we are, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes. No, I, I, I was impressed with this this was one where, from a minute into it, well, that's not entirely true, hon. Sk- skipping the intro part, right? skipping the weird TV part, because that, that could have went either way, right? That could have been like, okay, it's cute that you're mm-hmm. doing this, but a minute into the actual start of the movie, where we're, we're with the characters of the basketball game, you know, are prepping for it and walking around and talking, I was immediately drawn into how they were introducing me to the characters, which is something that so many movies fail at today. Is they don't know how to introduce their characters in interesting ways. They make them feel, and this felt, it made the world feel alive. We've done all these things. I was drawn into the atmosphere immediately. I was drawn into the characters immediately. And then it, it, it just it, it held itself back from doing anything too stupid, pretty much the whole movie. And it mm-hmm. felt like it, it was true to what it was. 
and it was confident in its filmmaking and it, it was enjoyable to watch and listen to the whole time and i was never drawn out of it it was it was so quick for me at 90 minutes i yeah i, I this is exactly what I, i'm hoping for when i when i click on one of these vod movies this and most of them end up kind of sucking so i'm i'm i was yeah. quite ha- happy with this at least on a personal level even if it's not something everyone agrees with but it felt like it was made just for me and i'm okay with that <laughs> i'm anyway. happy that it's here for you <laughs> yes well thank you well we're getting to ratings then i, I why i did my summary because i usually do that as i'm giving my rating but I'll, I'll, so i can just why don't you just give your rating now so you can go last and drop your your a bomb <laughs> on mine is that is that what you want to How do dare you fine okay i am going to give this do you know what's funny i came out of the movie thinking it was an eight i was like i feel really confident that was a really solid eight i really mm-hmm. liked it and uh, still talking about it. i want to bump up to an 8.5 i think you know i'm really into it i really like this movie this is a peter movie the peter movie and we're not going to have a lot of movies to contend for like top 10 of the year because so many movies got delayed to next year so i even think we're going to get 10 sci-fi movies i mean probably 10 sci-fi movies but even just 10 movies in general I feel like this is this is a, an early contender for me to be a reasonable spot on that top ten. So okay, well done, guys. Eight point five from me. So Tara is going to just go through that with a wrecking ball. So on you go. I I like this movie as well. I <laughs> I really did. I was quite impressed by it. And um, and you're right. It does subvert expectations because. Uh, you hear about the budget and you can you can see it in some places and you think, all right, this is going to be VOD, you know, let's just get through this. But yeah, I wasn't bored and I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, I was yeah a little bit underwhelmed maybe, but um, I really was invested in the characters a lot. And I do think it's a really good movie and people should check it out. So I'm going to give it a seven which was my score after I watched the movie and it did go up or down from our discussion. <laughs> Why did you have to add that on? It was, that was like a personal dig. Because like, I didn't... just, I just assume that you think that I'm doing it a point lower because I went <laughs> after you. No, I, I specify that because it happens sometimes where I'll talk about a movie and my score will change one way yeah, or the yeah. other. Uh, I, I, sometimes. I do that too. Uh, you know, there's been a couple of big examples would be Connor where, I came out a stalker being like, ah, I was thinking like a nine, but after talking about it, that may be a ten, baby. <laughs> that may be, I mean... Maybe it's a masterpiece. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it is technically sci-fi, kind of. I know that's why I haven't watched it. Slightly. It's on my Criterion app. Yes. Yes. My Criterion. face is that my Criterion app. Yeah. You don't say the, you don't say the Criterion app. It's on my Criterion app. All right, uh, there we go. Ratings have been a bit, a bit given. Uh, <laughs> okay. Look forward to the next film from this team of writers and director. Yes, uh, exactly. Uh, so before I tell you what's coming next week, we're going to do the, the Tara pose for the, the thumbnail. So here we go. Make sure your head's not cut off at the top of the frame. Do I do, do, I do bad cop or you be good cop, I be bad cop? <laughs> <laughs> Do whatever feels yeah. natural. I do, do the intrigue for the for the movie. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so just make sure your head's not cut off. Or your shoulders for that matter. The sides. It doesn't have to go that low. You just tilt the camera. Up. There you go. All right. Okay.
Perfect. All right. Three, two, one. Pause. Oh, shit. Um... <laughs> okay, that'll do. <laughs> The, the whole point is you have to do it like snap like you just you have to just go into it and you're like oh no let me think about it for like oh, 10 seconds i don't know i'm not good at this Great radio. actually if anything because there's at one point there's discussion about his voice sounding different she's like hey you sound different you know your radio voice it's like that's how you sound in the radio i'm like should i be doing like a radio voice for the show should i be like hey everyone and welcome to the atomic cinema experiment that's I am exactly Peter. what you sound like. And I'm joined by... What? Well, I don't sound like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm supposed to tell you what's coming next time, aren't I? Uh, which yep. I can I can totally do. I believe it's possible. Yes. Uh, so next time we're actually doing the, the most recent vote winner uh, from, from Patreon. And that is Sunshine. So that is the oh. Danny Boyle 2007 movie. <laughs> uh, so that's what's coming that's right. next it's time. It's been a while for me. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That is uh, what's coming next time. Uh, so uh, if you made it to this part of the review, if you got to all the way at the end, put the word squirrel in the comments. If you got to this part of the review on YouTube, type the word squirrel in the comments. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so, of course, you can like and subscribe. Liking is really important on YouTube as well. It lets everyone know, it lets YouTube know, more specifically, that we're worth recommending, so it'll do so, so please do. Uh, you can also, of course, uh, get us financially, or support us financially on patreon.com slash TV, as we mentioned earlier. And you can get us on Twitter at the Ace Podcast. Tara, before we wrap up this, finally, mm. would you like to promote any piece of content that Mailfuzz TV produce? I would say... Um, check out the live streams that you do like four times six four four to seven times a week <laughs> that's not uh there's a there's a really great community of people there that show up and if you have the notifications on there you can see when peter goes live and get all of your questions answered although core, core detail is really important it's not on this same youtube channel it's on mailed fuzz live so if you go to the main channel page there's a link you have to that a channel. channel yes oh i guess i'm subscribed to it because i get notifications okay well yeah you're subscribed to it then there you go didn't even know how you got there but yeah so if you want to go go and enjoy the live streams you can do that over there sometimes we watch movies together uh synced up sometimes we'll play silly games sometimes we'll do other things sometimes i'll play a video game even Join the the ever growing and fantastic family of fuzzies. Fuzzies, that's what we're going with. Fuzzies. I don't know. Okay, sounds right. Thank you very much, guys, for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at salsa. Beep.